There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. In April of 2022, the Manassas Community Baptist Church of Blaine, Pennsylvania, hosted our King James Bible Conference. Pastor John Asquith, who is the pastor of the Black Creek Baptist Church in Black Creek, New York, was our guest speaker for three nights of conference. We've taken these messages and we've broken them into 15 podcasts, so that'll be three weeks, approximately 15 minutes per day, of King James Bible instruction and teaching. And Brother John deals with the history of the King James Bible. He deals with the authority of the King James Bible. And then, lastly, he deals most of all, most importantly of all, I should say, He deals with what the King James Bible can do for you. And so I pray these messages are a help. I pray that they're a blessing to each of you as you listen to the conference. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1. We're going to go to verse 21. In fact, you know what? We're going to back up a little bit. I'm going to change my notes just a little bit. Look at verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. What did they see? They were at His baptism. They heard the heavens open. God the Father speak to them. They were at the Mount of Transfiguration when Moses and Elias came and stood there and the heavens opened, and God the Father spoke, and Jesus Christ was transformed in front of him. You saw him like he stands in heaven. It says his garment shine as no fuller on this earth could, could do that. And they saw that, okay? They actually were eyewitnesses of that, okay? Verse 17, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Do you realize we have something more sure than standing? What if you saw Jesus standing there and his garments turned and Moses and Elijah talking to him and the Father speaking from heaven? What a wonderful thing. And God says you have something more sure than that. You have a Bible. You have the written words of God. That's what you have. Okay, So it says this. Verse 19 again. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you might do well that you take heed unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What is the Holy Ghost, okay? Well, let me give you a brief thing here. Your spirit is how you think. 
Your heart's where you do your musing. Your soul is that inner part of you. Okay. You know, any of you have ever skinned a raccoon or an animal or something like that? And you just slit that and you pull that skin off. What do you have? You have this shimmering blob of fat. The perfect shape of that raccoon. The perfect shape of that woodchuck. Okay? That's a picture of the soul. The fat's a picture of the soul. Underneath your flesh is you. Okay? The fat is the Lord's. It's a picture of that. That's why the fat was taken and put into the fire for the offerings, okay? Somebody else's soul other than yours having to go into the flames of hell, alright? That's a perfect picture of that. God has a Holy Ghost. What is that? A ghost is when your spirit and your soul are together without the body. That's a ghost. God can show up His spirit and His soul as the Holy Ghost. And holy men of old were moved by the Holy Ghost, okay? The Holy Ghost is never mentioned in that Old Testament. It's 90 times mentioned in the New Testament. Never mentioned in the Old Testament. Why? Because his job is to manifest Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ was to be here on this earth, suddenly he makes himself known. He steps out of the shadows. But yet, all the way through that Old Testament, all the way through that, he was there maneuvering things behind the scenes, making sure that those men spoke as he moved them to speak the words of God. That's what we have. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 12, look at verse 24. And for those of you that got to whip children and put them to bed and all that kind of thing, we're not going to be much longer here. Acts chapter 12, verse 24. You know something I was thinking about when all you guys were singing? One of the reasons I really do enjoy coming here, I'd lived a, a pig's life for a long time, and when I was getting out of the military, I finally had a Bible, and I changed what I wanted. And one of the things I wanted is I wanted to get a girl that if you took her head and put it in a bucket of water and pulled her up, she was just as pretty afterwards. And gosh, there's a lot of those kind of girls here. Now, I wasn't as pretty after I'd done it with my wife because she's got a good right hook. All right? She didn't particularly like having her head put underwater and pulled back up again, all right? But I love being here because really there's some good things going on here. Some of you are being able to raise your children like a lot of people in this country would long to raise their children, okay? And God's been good here. And I hope you all appreciate that. Acts chapter 12. Look at verse 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. What? The word of God grew and multiplied. What's that mean? You know what it means? The apostles are out there writing more books of the Bible. The word of God grew and multiplied. What an unbelievable time to be alive when men are actually sitting down writing books of the Bible. Okay? You know, your, your kids in Sunday school, they memorize the books of the Bible. Nope, we got a new one, you know. And... <laughs> You know, they got to give the new one now or whatever else. And But the Word of God grew and multiplied. And we're going to look at and say to yourself, well, how do we know it's right? I remember having that question myself. Who are these guys to write this? Who are these guys to write this down? Okay? When I was first going to Bible studies, I was still smoking dope. I'm not proud of that. And I wasn't being hypocritical. I was just curious at this other life. 
I was down on the beaches of Greece and hanging out with hippies and then going up to the Air Force because they couldn't test marijuana in your veins in those days. And then I'd go and sit with some missionaries or some of the GIs or Bible leaders and I'd listen to them do you know, Bible study and I'm reading the Bible and I kept wondering, how, how do I know this is true? How do I know? Well, go with me to John chapter 14. You know, one of the miracles of the Bible... We'll look at that in the next verses we get into. But John chapter 14, and I want you to look at verse 23. When I read these verses, it just settled me. And when we get into the next set of verses, you'll see why they settled me. John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father which has sent me. But these things have I spoken unto you, being present with you. Verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So when James and John and Peter, and they're sitting there, and you know, and they're saying, Man, i got to write... It said he'd bring to their minds whatever Jesus said. And he would teach them all things. What more could you ever want? We have the writings of men that God taught them all things. Who actually sat with Jesus Christ and they wrote his words down. Now go with me to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. And you know, I understand. We might have some people here uncomfortable doing this much turning in your Scriptures. I understand that. Don't worry about that. Just listen. Isaiah 59. Verse 21. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, they're out of the mouth of thy seed seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. Now what's that saying? The words. Not just the general idea, but the words. The individual words that I put in thy mouth. They will not depart out of thy mouth. They're out of the mouth of thy seed. They're out of the mouth of thy seed seed. How long? From henceforth and forever. So the question is, where are those words? God promised they'd always be there. You know, one of the things that Israel has had for a long time is they have a scroll that's charred, and if you were to handle it too much, it would just fall apart. They know it's 1,500 years old. I mean, somewhere in the year 500, somebody wrote that scroll. But if they ever opened it, it would just fall apart like charcoal. So it's always been kept in reverence, that old scroll. Well, recently they got to the point that with lasers and such, they could read down through that scroll and read every word. You know what they found out? It's a significant portion of the book of Leviticus. And it reads exactly letter for letter, comma for comma number for number, exactly like the Jewish Bible they carry today. Exactly. Why? Because God promised. 1,500 years of Jews writing that over. Years ago, there was an old Baptist preacher by the name of Jewel Smith. 
who became interested in the things of the Bible. And he began to collect old Bibles, and he did a pretty good service talking about it, but he talked about how the Jews copied their Scripture. Now, you have this thing called scribes in your Bible, okay? And you have, what they were, were was the men who would write things down. Scribe or scribble. They'd write things down. And what they would do, a scribe was someone who was as educated in those days as, say, an atomic scientist is today. In order for them to make a new Bible, they had three of them. And it would take them three years to do it. It would take 200 lamb parchments, lamb skins. Now just think of the value of that alone. 200 lamb skins to make one Bible, all in scrolls. One man would look at the first scroll and he would read, in the beginning, the one who was to write would say, in the beginning, the third one would look and say, yes, you both said it correctly. The first one would then say, First word is in, the second one would repeat in, the third one would say, he said it correctly. The first letter is I, capital, capital I, the second one would write. The third one would write, he has written a capital I. He would look at the first one, yes. How long would it take? It takes about three years to do a Bible that way. Okay. If they made a mistake, there were no erasures, that entire lambskin was burned in the fire gone. They're not going to use it. When they wrote the name of God, they would all ceremonially bathe and take the day off. That was the end of the day. Now think of three of the highest paid people in the state of Pennsylvania, highest educated, hiring them for three years to make a copy of a Bible. You understand why it says in the book of Samuel, the word of God was precious in those days. Very precious to have that. How many mistakes do you think there were over the centuries with that kind of a system? None. Okay? But God says, my spirit which is upon thee and my words, both of them, they go together. That's why, as just this lost man wondered about the Bible, and I read that thing in John, I read those words, and it convinced me that the words of God had been preserved and that these men knew. Why? Because God's Spirit was in the words. That's where His Spirit is. And He said it would always be that way. Where can you find a copy of those? You know, one of the first problems that you run into is this. People, here's what men teach today. They can't teach the Bible isn't true, so they teach, well, we don't have all of it. Men made a lot of mistakes over the years. Those Hebrews, you go get a, an Orthodox Jew, you go to any city, go down here to Harrisburg and watch those guys in the Yambicos. You watch them come out on you know, Saturday evening, coming out of the shuls and coming out of the synagogues and such. If you look at their Bibles, their Bible reads exactly like a Jewish Bible did under Moses. Exactly the same. Because they had this system and God promised that. One of the shame in the new Bibles is they did not use that Hebrew Scripture. They did not use that. They use what's called the Septuagint, which is clearly not right. Okay, they use other uh, uh, they use other Jewish writings and such, but that thing those Orthodox Jews are carrying, that even after fifteen hundred years they pulled one off. Nope, reads exactly like a Jew's Bible does today. One of the reasons that I personally use a King James Bible 
is it is a Bible translated from that Hebrew. Right. Okay? And I know a lot of scholars think that's wrong, but I have a God thinks it's right. Okay? And you know what? When the scholars tell me it's okay for my boy to be a girl, I think the scholars are wrong. Okay? When the scholars tell me that it's okay for me to smoke dope if I have a headache, I think the scholars are wrong. Alright? And when the scholars tell me that, you know, my Bible's wrong, I think they're wrong. Okay? I'm not afraid of their scholarship. You know why? Because my Bible says, get rid of science that's falsely so-called. Get rid of that. Now go with me real quick. We're gonna have, we got two other verses we're going to look at. Matthew 13, verse 31. Years ago a man told me, so when you're preaching, tell people when you're almost done so they can relax. But don't cheat on them. You go on, they'll never trust you again. Matthew 13. Excuse me, Mark 13 is what I want. Mark 13, 31. Excuse me. My wife wrote my notes, so some of them aren't right. Mark 13, 31. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words, W-O-R-D-S, the individual words, shall not pass away. Where are they? And by the way, was he speaking Greek when he said this? No. Is he speaking Hebrew or Aramaic? One or the other. And somebody wrote him down in Greek. Which one was the Word of God? What he said or what they wrote down? Yeah, both of the Word of God. Okay. See, one of the problems is, and, and I'll tell you this again, in any, get, go back and study history. Is there ever been a generation where the scholars were right? Ever? Were the scholars right in year 100? No, they were wrong. Were they right in year 200? No, they were wrong. Were they right in year 300? No, they were wrong. Were they right in year 400? No, they were wrong. Were they right in year 1500? No, they were wrong. Were they right in year 1800? No, they were wrong. I mean, there were some. I'm not saying every scholar was wrong, but go look at the majority of them. Stephen doesn't even remember this, but when he was in school, we put him in a Christian school one time. What a joke. But one of the teachers came up to him and said, doesn't it bother you that all the scholars think your King James Bible is wrong? And he said, doesn't it bother you the scholars think evolution's right? <laughs> okay, he's just a kid, but that's what he said back to him. Remember him coming and tell me that day. And I thought, pretty good, Stephen. All right, not bad at all, all right? Well, the whole point is, if you go back to any generation, you know, so the scholars are all saying, God, no, most of the words are gone. Scribes lost them. They're all, we don't know what they really said. We keep finding new ones. Maybe this is it. Maybe it's that. That's why there's confusion in the United States because no one knows what the words of God are. Okay? That's why there's confusion. Go with me to Romans chapter 3. And we're going to end with this verse. By the way, this has really been a wonderful group of people to preach to. I, you know, really, you've paid attention and people are watching what I'm saying. I'm not sure it's because i got spinach on my chin or whatever, but you've paid attention. Romans chapter 3, look at verse 1. What advantage then hath the Jew? We know that they don't have the advantage of faith and miss the Messiah. Or what profit is there of circumcision? Well, there isn't in it, is there? All right? You get circumcised, you're not going to get to heaven any quicker than if you're not circumcised. Okay? But then he says, verse 2, much every way, chiefly, why, what's the great advantage that Jews have? Because unto them were committed the oracles of God. Oracle. They had that oracle, which was that room, and then they had the writing that God gave them. 
God committed it to them and said that's the greatest advantage. You know one of the things I want you to understand after we've been here three days is you have that advantage. You have the oracles of God. You have what God's written. Okay? This is what will get you through the coming darkness in the United States of America. Okay? Having the oracles of God. This is what you want to give to your children. You know, if you go through my Bible, I don't have any notes written in it. I used to put a lot of notes in it, and I made up my mind. I want to be able to know my Bible if I'm in a concentration camp, when they've taken it away. I want to be able to quote things. I want to be able to be able to teach that Bible and such. And so I don't write the notes down. I try to remember them here. Okay? You say, well, are we going to concentration camps? I hope not. I hope none of that comes in our lifetime. Okay? That's what Hezekiah hoped. Okay? But we live in dark times. What I do want, and what I hope for every one of you, is a good life. A holy life. One with joy, with love. Where you watch your children grow and your grandchildren. That's what I long for every one of you. But I know that the Word of God gives that and nothing else. Alright? Father, thank you for what we've learned here today. Thank you for these people. Thank you for this sanctuary in the midst of this uh, wonderful area where you have allowed the Word of God to go forth. And I pray bless us tomorrow night. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning And he longs to return to the Lord As he cries for forgiveness and mercy God is waiting You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.